You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 53. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. This week, we will be using Matthew West's new single, Day One, as our jumping off point to dive into God's Word. I love the premise behind the song, and I'm going to link to a story behind the song video that Matthew West actually put out so that you can hear it in his own words. But he uses a scripture reference out of Lamentations as one of the main inspirations for the song. And the scripture reference is Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 23. And it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Matthew says the idea is that every day serves as a reminder that no matter where you are in the story of your life right now, no matter how stuck you might have felt, whatever struggles you're facing, whatever guilt you're wrestling with, or even being defeated by, today is a new day. And tomorrow is a new day too, and so on and so forth. And in our journey of faith, every day is day one. Every day is a new beginning. Every morning his mercies are new, and that's what makes this day one. I love this idea. In fact, I use this same principle when I give tours at the Christian school where I work. Because in our elementary classrooms, we have a wisdom pot. And every child's name is on a coin in the pot, kind of like a pot of gold. And whenever a child strays from the standard of behavior in the classroom, one of the consequences is that they could get their name pulled from the pot. And I love this example. My, um, my, my daughter's in second grade now, but her first grade teacher said one time, she said, don't underestimate the power of pulling a name. Those names are affixed with Velcro. And when the Velcro, the Velcro rips off, the sound alone can silence a classroom and make a, a pin drop be, be heard. And it was like the, when you take your name out of that pot. So when I explain that wisdom pot to prospective families, I just, I inform them that the wisdom pot is a tool of discipline, not of punishment, and that that child's name begins each day in the wisdom pot because his mercies are new every morning. So the truth found in our inspiration scripture from Lamentations is even more profound because of the context that it's found in. What? Well, the context, you know, I talk about this every week, almost every week, the verses before and the verses after this focus verse. I feel like I need a drum roll sound effect right now because this week I want you to spend some time in lamentations. So when was the last time that you spent some time in lamentations? Gee, why not? 
Well, I get it. If you've never read it, because it kind of sounds sad, the title itself sounds sad. And if you have read it, then you know that it really is sad. So I understand why you probably haven't spent a whole lot of time in Lamentations. But this week, I do want you to use the song to lead you to Lamentations. It can be a little sorrowful and depressing. And then go ahead and use that song itself as a source of encouragement after. So does that sound like a deal? Well, my gift to you this week is just a little bit of background study on the book of Lamentations to help prepare you to read it for yourself. This can also be considered context. Now, I use that word context usually when I say I want you to, when a, when a, when a sermon is happening and a, and a pastor pulls out a key verse, a lot of times you don't really realize what's going on in the story around it. And so I always say context is the verses before and the verses after. But there's another kind of context as well, and that is historical context. What was going on at the time when these verses were written? What's the culture like? Those kinds of questions. So I did a little research in that for you this week so that I could help you um, as you jump into it to have kind of that background knowledge. But Lamentations is universally thought to be written by Jeremiah, and he is also known as the weeping prophet. Now, some who argue that the book of Lamentations doesn't sound anything like what he wrote in the book of Jeremiah, need, they need to be reminded that in the book of Jeremiah, he was a prophet who spoke words of judgment that God wants him to speak. And in Lamentations, he is at last permitted to speak as he humanly feels. I mean, he speaks out of the heart that loves his Jerusalem. He loves his people. He utters a priestly prayer of intercession. And in his role as prophet, sometimes he wasn't allowed to do all of that while he was announcing judgment over Israel. So it's just kind of another side of him that we see. And because of the highly emotional character of the book, it was it was likely written soon after the fall of Jerusalem in 587 BC. And this is when the Babylonians captured and destroyed Jerusalem. It's deeply personal. When you read it, you're going to see this raw emotion of the prophet in response to this brutalization of Judah. He had predicted this. He had predicted that the people would go into exile. He had rebuked them for their unrepentant unrepentant hearts. He had gone through all that. When you read Jeremiah, um, you'll see that he had already, he had predicted this, but this was just kind of like a, I know I predicted it, but it's so painful to see. And so he felt their pain and their hurt. He felt it as the, as his own, you know, these foreigners killed many of his, of his people and he, they forced the rest of them into exile in a pagan land. And it was painful to him. And so the, but the entire book of Lamentations is written as poetry and uh, each chapter is a poem. So five chapters, five poems. And so I think this is important to know because otherwise you're going to pick up the book of Lamentations and you're going to say, Michelle told me that I need to read these things straight through. And there's only five chapters in Lamentations. So I'm going to read it straight through like a story. And again, normally I do tell you to do that. I mean, for example, last week I encouraged you to read Jonah and because it is a story, you need to read it all at once and like, like watching a movie all the way through. But I'm not sure if you've ever tried to read all of the Psalms at once or even a grouping of Psalms. Sometimes they just kind of run together and you get lost because they're individually, they stand on their own as a song or a hymn 
or a poem. So the best way to read Lamentations is one poem at a time. So again, when you read Lamentations this week, if you read one each day, you'll have read them for five days and then maybe spend some extra time on the the rest of the days in the week um, looking at some scriptures or characteristics that you see uh, jump out at you. But interestingly enough, the first four poems or the first four chapters were written as acrostic poems. So that's where the poem is built around the alphabet. So this is not just a literary style, but it also really helped people memorize the poem. There are some psalms that do that as well. For example, I just want to explain this. Chapter 1, verse 1, begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Verse 2 starts with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and then so on. So both chapters 1, 2, and 4 have 22 verses for those 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. But in chapter 3, there are actually 66 verses. So in chapter 3, every three verses begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So again, with the 66 verses in chapter 3, it still goes through the the 22 letters of the alphabet. And then finally, chapter 5, it doesn't follow this this structure. The alphabet is not used. So um, I did read uh, recent, I read this week as I was researching, that the acrostic may have been employed to express the completeness uh, of the destruction and despair of, of Jerusalem, kind of like from A to Z. And this also suggests an explanation for why chapter five was not an acrostic. Maybe like the lack of form in chapter five expresses the chaos and despair of the time. I don't know, that seems a little deep to me, but it could be a good point. By the way, I got all this information that I just shared with you. I just used a variety of tools. I have several study Bibles, different kinds of study Bibles. And so I just opened them all and read the introductions. Um, Every study Bible is going to have like an introduction to that book to give you some background or detail information. So I just read the introductions in each of them. And I took information from each and kind of compiled it into the information that I shared with you. I also explored online resources that offered the same kind of introduction. So I used an introduction found on Bible.org. I found an introduction with information on BlueLetterBible.org. And then I found additional introductory information on BibleHub.com. I've mentioned that resource several times. So you could do this same kind of research for yourself. And especially in this instance, when you may not be as familiar with the text, you know, perhaps it's an area of the Bible that you've not spent a lot of time in so you can really gain quite a bit of good historical context with just a little bit of digging so I this week I did that for you but I just wanted to let you know what I used in case you ever want to do it for yourself but if you find yourself kind of starting in the dig right and you're getting uncomfortable and then you get kind of bogged down then here's some advice stop I mean, it's kind of like when you go to the doctor and say, hey, doc, it hurts when I move my arm like this. And he gives you his diagnosis. Don't move your arm like that. You know, I know I'm not talking about uncomfortable because the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on a sore spot, you know, like like conviction. I'm not I'm really talking about uncomfortable to the point where you're kind of feeling defeated. Like if you're starting to do something and it makes you not want to read your Bible, stop doing that. 
okay? And I'm not talking about uncomfortable because you don't want to have to think. <laughs> I'm not talking about that because sometimes we can um, challenge ourselves exploring something new. Challenge, you know, challenging ourselves and stretching ourselves can be uncomfortable, but kind of invigorating at the same time and really push you to a new level or a new place. So that's really, I really wanted to define that for you. And, and after all, I honestly did not know all of this information that I just shared with you about lamentations. I knew some of it. I have taken a um, uh, Old Testament Bible uh, course, and so I've probably learned it at some point and forgotten it. But uh, researching it this week for myself, it made it easier for me to read Lamentations when I went, okay, I get it. Five different poems. Let me read it that way. Or it's an acrostic. I see there's a reason why um, some of these things don't flow as well as you would think. So if you've never read Lamentations, you may never know that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end because they're new every morning. And if you never read that truth in the context of these sorrowful poems that Lamentations offers, you're never really going to fully comprehend how great God's love is and how desperate we might be for his mercies to be new every morning. So one more tool before we jump a little bit more into the song. I know I've talked about it in other other episodes, and that is the tool of the chapter or section title found in almost every uh, type of Bible. So depending on the version, the title of the section may vary slightly, but they're going to tell you what that section or that chapter is about. So uh, if I'm taking these hymns of lament, chapter one is described as lament uh, for Jerusalem or Jerusalem in affliction, or sorrow in Jerusalem, or how lonely sits the city, just to name a few. So I looked it up in different Bible versions, and those were the the section titles for chapter one. Chapter two, so even without reading the chapter, you just have an idea of what that poem is going to be about. Chapter two is titled Judgment on Jerusalem, God's Anger with Jerusalem, God's Anger at Sin, or the Lord has destroyed without pity. <laughs> okay, so you're going to get an idea. Again, here's what this poem is about. Chapter 3 is hope through God's mercy, the prophet's anguish and hope, hope in the Lord's faithfulness, or great is your faithfulness. You can discover the rest of chapter 4 and chapter 5 on your own. But again, I, I think you can see a pretty good picture of which of what each poem is about. And so remember, however, that when the verses seem a little disjointed. As I mentioned before, they're written in an acrostic. So when you take that into account and then also take into account that they've been translated from Hebrew to English, the flow can get lost, but you're not going to get lost on the emotion of all of it. So let's use our song to explore around in Lamentations a little bit. Sometimes, uh, I just want to say lessons can sometimes be hard. And I think that you're going to see that in, in Lamentations as you read it. Some of the best lessons, uh, in my opinion, are learned from the experience of others. You know, just really understanding or learning from from somebody else's pain, not really having to walk that difficult path of disobedience on your own, but seeing somebody else do it and you just avoiding that path because you saw the pain that they went through. So we're going to explore the sin and consequences of a nation. Okay, so if you feel the Holy Spirit pushing on a tender spot in your spirit, please heed that discomfort. Please heed it. Uh, He has something he wants to tell you, and I really don't want you to miss it. So uh, if we can learn from Jerusalem without having to walk 
the excruciatingly painful path that Jerusalem had to walk, then I say, let's do that. Uh, and then some of you are in an excruciating, painful places. And so I, I hope that this discussion today will bring some hope to you. But I think Jeremiah and God's people uh, could have written the first verse of our song. Well, I wish I had a short-term memory. Wish the only thing my eyes could see was the future burning bright right in front of me. But I can't stop looking back. Yeah, I wish I was a perfect picture of somebody who's never not good enough. Well, I try to measure up, but I mess it up. And I wish I wasn't like that. I wish I wasn't wishing anymore. Lamentations chapter 1 says, Jerusalem remembers in the day of her affliction and wandering all the precious things that were hers from days of old. When her people fell into the hand of the foe and there was none to help her, her foes gloated over her. They mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem sinned grievously. Therefore, she became filthy. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns her face away. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. She took no thought of her future. Therefore, her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. Are there places in your past that you wish you could forget? Are there moments when you wish you could just look forward to what the future has in store and not look back? And the thing about our foolish times of disobedience is that in those times, we tend to not consider our future. And I just read in verse 9 where it says, She took no thought of her future. Therefore, her fall is terrible. Now, my husband and I talked about this verse this week or this lyric of the song this week. We both agreed that sometimes it's good to have a good memory, you know, so you don't make the same mistakes twice. But I, I get what Matthew West is trying to say here. You know, sometimes we can get stuck in our past mistakes and get so bogged down that we can't move on. So he goes on to say in the lyrics, uh, he wishes he was picture perfect and always measuring up and not messing up, you know, meaning I wish I wasn't so prone to sin. And I just read about how Jerusalem sinned grievously, and I bet she wishes she hadn't. You know, now she's in captivity and not just any captivity, like a really horrible, painful captivity. I was listening this week to an interview with Louis Zamperini's son, and Louis Zamperini was the main is the main character in the book and in the recent movie Unbroken. And he was a real life American hero, and he was captured in the Second World War, and he suffered tremendously in Japanese war camps for two years. And his son in this interview indicated that the movie, though graphic in nature about what he endured at the camp, didn't give all of the details. He, he said that the details could not be given because that the viewer could not endure what really happened. Like we couldn't, we couldn't watch it. We wouldn't be able to endure it. His captivity was too horrible for us to take in as a viewer. I can only imagine, even begin to imagine the pain and the turmoil that Louis himself had to endure. And so this reminds me of the suffering of Jerusalem, despite the cause of it being her own sin. I mean, Jerusalem was disobedient. God warned and warned and warned, and she did not turn as a nation. And so this was a consequence of her disobedience. 
But despite that being the cause, her sin being the cause of it, just horrible scenes are depicted in the poems that, that are here in Lamentations. Things like verse 10 of chapter four, when it says the hands of compassionate women have cooked their own children. They became food for them in the destruction of the daughter of my people. I mean that the destruction of this uh, people was not a gentle slap on the wrist. It was horrible and it was complete. And I want to ask you, I want to ask what kind of horrible captivity does your sin have you in? You know, over the past few episodes, I've mentioned pits um, and these pits are sin traps. You know, they're traps that we fall into, we get pushed into, and sometimes we even jump into, but we are trapped in them. We're captive and we can't get out and we keep seeing them everywhere in scripture. I, uh, I find this to be interesting. There's so many different times in, in our episodes that there'll be like a common thread for a little while. And the common thread has been these pits. I mean, Jonah, last week we talked about Jonah says that God has brought his life up from the pit. In Psalm 103, we saw God described as redeeming our life from the pit. And when we studied Psalm 40 a few weeks ago, it says that God lifts us out of the slimy pit. And then here we are in Lamentations and we see, a pit again. We see actually hope from the pit. And in verse uh, 55 of chapter four, I called, I'm sorry, chapter three, I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my prayer for relief, from my cry for help. You drew near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. So once again, our sin separates us, it entraps us in this pit, but it does not make us impossible for our God to reach us. And I love this set of verses. It starts out with, I called, you heard, you drew near. I called, you heard, you drew near and said, do not fear. So after those first few thoughts of the song, we hear Matthew West say this. I wish I wasn't wishing anymore Wish I could remember that the bodies keep us going I'm tired of throwing pennies in a well I gotta do something Here goes nothing it's I wish I wasn't wishing anymore I wish I could remember that nobody's keeping score I'm tired of throwing pennies in a well I gotta do something Here goes nothing so in Lamentations chapter 3, as we approach our theme verse for this song, we read in the verses prior to our theme verse, so we're in verses 19 and 20, it says, Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness? Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. So he, really what the psalmist, or I'm sorry, the the uh, Jeremiah here in this, this Psalm of lament, he's saying, I remember the mess I'm in. I don't have short-term memory. I see it clearly. My soul remembers and I'm hunched over. One version says my soul still remembers and sinks within me. It's kind of like I get a sinking feeling in my stomach, just thinking about it. Then hope dawns. I love that this song really draws a line through this whole wishing business. You know, I'm, I'm tired of throwing pennies in a well, it says. No more wishing, because this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. 
what? What does Jeremiah recall to his mind to give him such hope out of such a horrible set of circumstances? Well, he recalls that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I just love that. God's love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. His mercies are, are new every morning. His faithfulness is great. He is my portion, meaning he is enough. And because of all of this, what do I do? Therefore, I will put my hope in him. That's something you can do. When your soul feels hunched over, you can lift your head, cry out to the one who hears and draws near and restores. You don't have to stay in the pit. Well, every single day your grace reminds me that my best days are not behind me. Wherever my yesterday may find me, well, I don't have to stay there, no. See, my hourglass is upside down and my Sunday soon is here and now. The clock is ticking and I'm so sick and tired of missing out. I wish I wasn't missing anymore. Wherever my yesterday may find me, I don't have to stay there. Lamentations 521 says, turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. How do you enter into this day one? Cry out to God who can redeem you from your pit. Fix your eyes on him alone and not your past. Turn back to him and be restored. And then sing along with Matthew when he says this. What's next? Wait for it. I want you to read Lamentations. I mean, really, how often are you going to naturally pick up your Bible and spend time in Lamentations? You're going to need a good reason. And I think this week's song is as good a reason as any. And don't forget to read them as separate poems. Remember the tremendously emotional place that the author is in when writing them. And then when you're reading them one poem at a time, Highlight verses that bring conviction and verses that bring hope. You know, remember, also remember this. Wishing is sticking our fingers in our ears and saying, la, 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 to our current circumstances or even to our past. But hope, hope says, despite all of this, despite the pit I'm in, the mess I'm coming out of, despite all of this, God is there. He loves me and he will never run out of mercy for me. In fact, his mercies are new every morning. So that means today can be your day one. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Hop on Twitter at Michelle Nizat or Facebook. Michelle L. Nizat is my public page. And let's talk about what you're learning or leave a comment on this week's show notes. MichelleNizat.com forward slash 53. Just a few quick announcements before I leave today. I want to personally thank you for listening with a gift. 
I don't want you to have any excuses for not having God's Word front and center every day. So just log on to my website at michellenizat.com and subscribe with your name and email address. And I will email you memory verse resources each week to display on your smartphone, your tablet, your desktop, or even print them out and place them in the best location for you. It's just a small token of my thanks and hopefully a really useful tool for you. And this week I want to shout out to Amanda from Australia, Jennifer from West Virginia, Jennifer from Louisiana, Jayoon from Canada, Jessica from New York, and Danielle from California. These are my newest subscribers to my website. Welcome. Don't miss an episode of my podcast by subscribing in iTunes. And while you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like KittySan2000, who posted a review this week and said, God led me here today. Wow. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use Natalie Grant's song, Hurricane, to inspire us to pick up our Bible and explore. And if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellenizat.com forward slash 53. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time... Take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.